Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. Hello, Valerie Solitiker. Welcome to the Balance Beautiful Abundance Show. Thank you, Rebecca. It's so beautiful to be with you. Hi. I'm so happy to have you on the show. You're someone that I've always admired and looked up to in the transformational space. And I'm just so excited to have an enlivening conversation with you. And I always learn so much from you. So I am excited to tell my listeners a little bit about you. So Valerie is the co-founder of the Psycho-Spiritual Institute. She's been coaching both individuals and groups for over 20 years. She's an international speaker. She's the author of Call of the Ecological Self. She has been featured on major networks like Hay House Radio, NBC, USA Today. She works with mission-driven entrepreneurs to inspire high-level mindset, purpose, and action. And she has also produced over a hundred mindful events, and I was at one of them. It was called the Zen Cruise, and it was an amazing cruise where we did yoga, meditation, had awesome transformational workshops and lectures. The only bad thing is that I got food poisoning, but it ended up being a good thing because most people do ayahuasca and hire a shaman to purge like all their negativity and toxicity. And God found a way to do that through some smoked salmon. So I didn't have to take ayahuasca and hire a shaman. I got to purge all my lineage's negativity in the tropical forest and the Yucatan, just, you know, the old-fashioned way. Oh, my goodness, Rebecca. (laughs) 
And I hope you had some moments around the Great Purge that you got to enjoy the beautiful community and magic. It was magic and that was part of it, you know? I mean, my, my old stuff was just not a vibrational match to all the awesome people on the cruise. And it had to come out. So it was actually a positive thing looking back. But when I was, you know, kneeling on my, you know, hunched over in the jungle in a fetal position, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) So anyway, I'll never forget that cruise. It was so amazing. I used to call it my celebrate divorce cruise when I was building up to it because I did it right after my divorce was final. And that was Mm -hmm. such a beautiful event. You you just have such a um, magical way of bringing people together and causing transformation. And I just so value you and your stand in the world for transformation. Uh, I really appreciate that, you know, and it's the secret is all heart, you know, it's just all heart. It's just being centered into what we love and what drives us and what we're passionate about and how we feel called to serve in the world. You know, when we align with that, it's like everything, the universe conspires as we all say, right? But really it's like we're driving that movement through our hearts. So yeah, I'm so glad you felt it and feel it. I do. And I know that you're a heart-centered entrepreneur and in the last few years, since uh, throwing events, I know that you've taken on a whole nother dimension of your coaching practice, and it is called psychosynthesis. So please tell our listeners, what is psychosynthesis? Oh my goodness, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, yeah, about six years ago or so, I started Psychospiritual Institute. And, you know, we are a transformational center for people who want to dive into really profound work within themselves and learn how to be guides for others. So we run board certified coach training and leadership programs that center in this transpersonal psychology called psychosynthesis. And psychosynthesis is. Um, it's a it's a spiritual or transpersonal psychology that's been around for over a hundred years that was developed by a psychiatrist named Dr. Roberto Asagioli. And he and Maslow were are known as like the grandfathers of transpersonal work. And so it's really the roots of of that that kind of psychology work. And what it does is it, what I love so much about it, it brings together both the science and psychology of who we are as humans and the spiritual, you know, the recognition that who we are is more than our thoughts, more than our emotions, more than the stories that we tell or we try to live into, more than the roles that we play, you know, that we are both and, we are both a human having this experience and we wanna go deep into that experience. And, you know, we are interconnected and interdependent with life on these really profound levels. So it helps us to explore the, the most fundamental question that I can think of, which is, who am I? Who I love are we? That. How do we really connect and reconnect to life in the deepest context? Because when we can remember who we are in that deepest level, it transforms everything we are, everything we do, the choices we make. And so psychosynthesis is this beautiful way of bringing together the the psychology and the spirituality to create a more whole you. I love it. One of my favorite songs at Agape, which I'm sure you know, led by Michael Beckwith, is I Am More Than This. That's exactly what it is. We have a soul that's so much more than people, places, circumstances, and events. And you can call that the observer. You can call that our higher self. There's so many ways to name it. But to me, that is just the omnipresent part of ourselves that can't be hurt, harmed, or endangered. 
So I think it's so beautiful that psychosynthesis acknowledges both parts, both the personality and the and the trans. I guess it's called. I guess I did some research. Transpersonal is that what they call it? Yeah, transpersonal. So we're working with both that that personal self, you know, the center point of awareness and will, and you know, from that space of the self, we begin to form a relationship with our inner world. So we're forming a relationship with the contents of our consciousness, which are always changing, right? The thoughts, the emotions, right? But who we are, as you beautifully eloquently spoke to, is that constant, you know, that never really, that never changes. It's an un, the unstoried self, you know? And so we're learning how to work from that space to work with all these beautiful parts of us to create more integration within us. I love that. So what is the difference between Freudian psychology and where this Italian psychiatrist took it? Because I know Freudian is everything is based on the id, right? Sex or money, really basic, which is like and the caveman brain. Then Maslow, what did what was Maslow's contribution? And then well, Maslow created the hierarchy of needs towards self-actualization, right? And so, in a similar vein, you know, so Asajoli, uh, you know, Freud was really like in the basement of the psyche, right? Like his work was just in the basement of the psyche. So, with psychosynthesis, what Asajoli created was the entire condo (laughs) like the entire house including the attic and the basement so we're not just in the basement anymore now we get to live in all areas of our home including the top of the roof screaming you know the the, you know screaming out into the mountain into the into into life like so we have the the beautiful connection to that higher self and we can move deep into the dark night of the soul and in everywhere in the washing the dishes the most mundane every every ordinary moment we find the self and that's a that's like the core key difference you know is that they it wasn't were more than just that so freudian really like left there's a there's a lot of great things that came out of that but it left us there and it was a limiting so now we have this movement towards purpose and meaning and values and interconnectedness and wholeness on not just the level of the individual but wholeness on the level of humanity and not just humanity, but wholeness on the level of the ecological self and how we connect to the, the larger living planet, you know, and wholeness in the sense of the great mystery and who are we in the evolution of, of the universe, you know, and, and here we are today, like with consciousness evolving within us. So all of that is a whole uh, beautiful realm of exploration that Asa Jolie contributed to psych- psychotherapy, you know, I feel like a lot of therapy, traditional therapy, can be very self-focused, self, self-obsession almost. You know, why do I do this and why do I do that and me, 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 me. So what I'm hearing is that psychosynthesis, it's not just self-focused because you say it's the ecological, what did you say, the ecological what, call it? Well, the ecological self. You yeah, know, yeah, so I think a good way to say it is that psychosynthesis is an evolutionary psychology. Mm-hmm. And it looks at the evolution of our own being, you know, which is happening whether we're conscious of it or not. There's always a movement and impulse towards evolution. Right. <laughs> and when we become conscious of how that works within us, we get to then make conscious decisions and it kind of accelerate that process. So psychosynthesis 
allows us to consciously accelerate our own personal evolution. And because it's not just on the level of the individual, it's also looking at our collective evolution. You know, as each one of us becomes more self-aware and more aware of our will. So we're taking action on that self-awareness, which is another big piece and another unique contribution is around the, the work on the will. But as we become more aware of ourselves and we begin to live more aligned, more authentically aligned, with who we are as that self, we begin to contribute on larger and larger levels to the collective evolutionary movement of our world. So then we also wanna look at how are we identifying in our world in ways that can become too limiting and how do we create both, okay, I have this identification as a, a, a Democrat, let's say, or you know whatever my culture is or whatever it is, and I can honor that and who I am is also on the level of humanity. So when I start to recognize that, it can transform our ability to have healthy conversations that can move our world forward in a way that's really needed. So it contributes, evolutionarily speaking, on all of these different levels. Because we all have labels that some of them we don't even know are from our culture, from our country. I, you know, I could be, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm an employee, I'm a boss. Like you said, I'm my political party. I'm even, it could be a negative label. I'm someone who's overweight. I'm someone who's negative or I'm someone who's always positive. Whatever it is, we're putting labels on ourselves. And what you're saying is that we're so much more because we're all souls. It's, it's like the namaste consciousness, right? The God in, we can get rid of all those labels. The God in me can connect to the God in you. And we're, we're all the same. We're all waves on the same ocean. So I would make a slight, a, a slight, just, just, um, just a little bit of a, uh, a correction on that as far as where I'm coming from. So I think both things are important. Right. So it's, it's not wrong to have an identification. Like I identify as a mother and that's important to me and more than a mother and being a mother is really important to me. So right. I don't. So I don't want to bypass or transcend my labels because this really psychosynthesis is the opposite of spiritual bypassing. So it's a little bit different than, than that idea of only trans, transcending all of this and just only meeting in the I consciousness. It's about both and. So we want to, like, for instance, if I'm having, let's say I'm having some kind of, you know, I'm experiencing grief. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to disassociate with that grief. I don't want to say, well, that grief is just nothing because I'm just a soul. That grief is very important to my development as a soul. So I want to move deeper into my grief from the space of the self so I can hold my pain, my grief, my sadness, my joy, whatever it is, I can hold it, honor it, experience it, learn from it, evolve with the experience of it. And so by going deeper into our human experiences, we become more connected to the whole and the soul, if that makes sense. So we're actually moving deeper into sometimes those identifications, even the ones that feel like I'm unworthy of love. Well, we don't want to just be like, oh, well, of course you are. Everybody's worthy of love. Click, transformed, I'm a soul, right? We want to go, well, what is that all about? Let's take some time and be with that feeling of unworthiness. What is that part of you? What is that part of you protecting? What is that part of you scared of? What is that part of you really need? So we want to go deeper into those parts to really get all of that gold that's in the experience of it so we can begin to integrate. It's like welcome these parts, the parts that 
don't serve us, right? Welcome them home. The parts that do serve us, like the good mother, I can step into my good mother, but if I'm a good mother with my husband, I'm going to drive him crazy, right? So I want to consciously utilize some of those other parts of me that do serve me well in most cases or in some cases, um, and just know when to step in and out of them. So I think a big piece of this work is around making the unconscious conscious. So we can choose how we identify, we can choose how we develop and allow our personality to unfold. I like that because I think a lot of the new thought movement is like, oh, well, you don't want to entertain any thoughts that are low vibe or be around any people that are low vibe. So you just like slap a smiley face sticker on your like heartbreak or your negative emotions and you don't feel it. And that can actually cause dis-ease in the body because these negative emotions instead of being processed and spoken are, you know, being held in the body. And I know that is what happened to me when my gallbladder exploded in April of 2020. And I had to have emergency gallbladder removal because I had a lot of anger in my past that I did not really process because I was trying so hard to be a positive person. So I think it is really important that we integrate the spirituality with the human emotions. So what modalities or techniques do you suggest that people do? I know you have a whole curriculum in psychosynthesis, but if somebody's just listening to the podcast and they want to know what is a great way to process their negative emotions while still being in touch with their higher self, what would you suggest? So the first thing that comes to me is, you know, there's a process that we that we work with in psychosynthesis around this work, what we call sub personalities, right? These limited parts of us that could be the good mother, could also be the people pleaser, could also be the person that feels unworthy of love. You know, there's there's all these different parts of us, these fragmented parts of ourselves that are oftentimes formed when we're young, not only, but oftentimes, you know, from traumatic events, from conditions from our family, society, culture, religion, all of these things sometimes can create conditions or expectations, or even just repetitive situations. Really anything that we begin to form a worldview about who we think we are and how we relate to the world in ways that are limiting. So what happens is we become overly identified with these parts of us, and then we can become paralyzed by heavy emotions, by an experience, um, or we don't even recognize because we're, we're operating from an unconscious operating system sometimes that we're acting out a pattern of thought or behavior that we're not even aware of. And we're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? That's not what I want. I want to be closer. I want to connect. I don't want to push that person away. So why am I doing this? So the why I'm doing this is, is this work. So to answer your question, I think a, a a powerful process that we teach is around disidentification. So when something comes up or something happens where we're like not feeling like that's not fully me, what's going on there is an invitation to take a look at what happened as a part of you. So there's a part of me that just said that there's a part of me that just made that choice. So what is this part of me all about? So even recognizing that it's a part of you and not all of you, that who you are is so much more than that part of you is a form of disidentification, which is not disassociation. Disidentifying, meaning not becoming so identified that that part hijacks your sense of self and your will to make decisions. But now you're going, oh, it's not me. It's a part of me. Right. So I can see that part of me from the observer, 
Now I'm connected to the unstoried self. My unstoried self doesn't feel fear. My unstoried self doesn't, doesn't have any of this. It's unstoried. So what's coming up for me now, I can actually look at it. So moving through this, recognizing that as a part, coming into that sense of self and now looking at it, like even having a dialogue, what is this part of me about? What does this part of me need? You know, so instead of saying, what do I need? It's like, what does this part of me need? So you can even name it. You could, you could say, wow, what is this? Part? So let's say, you know, this, there's a, there's, there's, let's say you really want some time alone and you want some self-care and somebody goes, Hey, can you help me with this? And then you go, sure. Yeah, I'll help you. And then you're like, oh, I just, that's not really what I want to do. So what just happened there? So what happened there? Probably, I don't, you know, it's all individual situation, but in an example, maybe you're a peep, this part of you that might be like a people pleaser part of you that feels like I have to please people in order to receive love. Cause maybe there's a history of something like that in your life immediately said, yes, because you want that person to like you, see you value you. And so rather than honoring where you are and saying, you know, I'd love to help you with that, but I'm really tired right now. And I just need to rest. Perhaps tomorrow I can jump in and support you. Right? So there's like a way of being supportive, but also honoring yourself, but nope. We're like, yes, I'm there. And you're like, Oh, so what's happening. So we want to identify, well, that part of me, let's call it a people pleaser, or maybe I call it, you know, uh, anything you want to name it really, you know, but give it a, give it a name, give it an identity because the more we identify with it, the more it becomes clear when it jumps up and tries to hijack us in a moment. So the next time somebody asks for something and you're like, yeah, wait a minute, I actually really want to rest right now. And there's that part of me that's wanting to just do everything for everybody, no matter how I feel inside. What do I actually really want right now? I know this part of me, I've done, we've had a dialogue, like I've gotten to know this part of me really well. So I can actually go, wait a minute, what I really need right now is to rest. So this part of me, let's come back, come back home. You know, like I'm gonna make a different decision that's aligned with myself. So I think this is a really powerful process for everybody who's listening to just kind of take a moment and notice what part of you has that reaction what part of you is making that decision right now and recognize that who you are as the self is always more and always has more information more access to a deeper truth that limited part of you can never know so this is that work you know these are the this is the work that we do at the institute you know and with psychosynthesis that's so powerful and so much more by the way but the subpersonality work is just is a really key piece of psychosynthesis yeah I know I have a subpersonality called Mildred and Mildred is always telling me because I'm a recovering perfectionist. So Mildred is a perfectionist who's like, no, no, you did it wrong. You should have, would have, could have done that. You could have done it better. You could be better. Or why are you doing it that way? And she's just like this rah, 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 like voice of perfectionism in my head and naming her Mildred, such an ugly name. Sorry if you name Mildred. Uh, in my opinion, <laughs> helps me differentiate myself from her. And that is that an example of what you're saying with the subpersonality? Absolutely. It's such a powerful example, Rebecca. And, and two things about that that I love um, and something that we had chatted about earlier, you know, is one that, you know, that you named it and you were able to see that this is the perfectionist in me. And I'm sure she still pops out now and then. And I have that too sometimes. And I'm able to say, wait, it's okay if it's not all done today or it's not perfect. And, you know, um, it's a learning process, right? We can have, we know that, but Mildred doesn't know that. Mildred has one goal and her only goal is to get it perfect 
period. There's nothing else. She's a one track mind. And our subpersonalities have a one track mind. There's one thing that they do and that's it. And that's why they're limiting. So this, this whole buzzword of limiting beliefs, this is the science behind it, right? So Mildred. So what I also love about that is that, yeah, it's the perfectionist, right? And a lot of us can relate to that perfectionist as kind of an an archetypal word of that to embody that part of me that wants to get everything perfect mm-hmm. that you named her Mildred was a personal choice. And that is so powerful, you know? So in the work that I do with my clients and with myself, quite honestly, cause it's all, we're always in a process, but the work that we do it's it's, I find it more intimate that when we discover a part that's like with my clients, when we discover a part that's there to invite my client to say, well, is there something you might call this part or a name you might give this part rather than trying to put it into a box of an archetype, but rather let, let it become a personal connection, you know, to, so why is it, you know, I'm not saying answer, but like why Mildred, like, what does that mean for you? Cause there's something deeper in, in that name for you. That's personal for you. And so it makes that part of you just, you have a more intimate relationship with that part of you now because you named it rather than me telling you, well, that's your perfectionist, right? You get to tell me what, how you relate, what you would call that part of you. And so from this moment forth, you have like a beautiful relationship with this part. And I say beautiful because all the parts of us are beautiful, you guys, because these, even these parts of us that have these survival strategies that can really kind of sabotage a moment in our lives, they're just trying to protect us. You know, they formed because when we were younger, we had a need. Something happened in our lives that made us form this part of us. That's the intelligence, okay, of the human body and and our mental system is that we form a part of us in order to protect us when we need it. But then what happens is is that we become overly identified with it and then we no longer need it, but it's still doing the actions that it was taught, that it was conditioned to do. So we want to integrate those survival strategies so we can go right for the need that's underneath them but it formed you know a long time ago out of need so i like to sometimes refer to them as loyal soldiers you know because we don't have to have an antagonist antagonistic relationship with these subpersonalities they can we can actually integrate them and they can serve us and i think a lot of perfectionists i know for myself i had a very chaotic household so i thought if i had everything you know neat and tidy and everything was perfect, then I would feel safe. And now that doesn't serve me because I don't need to have everything perfect to feel safe. It actually disrupts my well-being. So it served a purpose then in my childhood. It made me feel safe. But now I don't want to be a perfectionist because it's too limiting. I want to have, I'd like to say, uh, Valerie, that I'm striving for imperfection. It's a lot more freeing. There you go. And the beauty of that too, Rebecca, is like, now you, what you know is that the deeper need that you have is this need for safety. Yes. So how can I have safety imperfectly? How can I be imperfect and still feel safe? You know, right. or another example that I, I love to use is like, oh, let's say I really want to clean my closet. It's driving me crazy. Well, why does that feel important? Because I like things to be in their place. Well, why is that meaningful for you? Because when it's in their place, I feel like the spaciousness and it helps me feel more peaceful inside. Mm-hmm. So there's a need for peace. And so how can we embody peace with a messy closet? 
Right. That it doesn't, so your peace does not depend on an external circumstance or a way of performing or a thing that you have to be or do. Your peace is something that you can call in and embody at any time in your life. And that's what we would work towards is embodying the transpersonal quality of peace if that, in that example, or the, the quality of safety in your example, you know, and that's how we separate the survival strategies of these parts of us with the deeper need that we really need to embody and, and really want to embody in our lives. That's beautiful. Now you mentioned the will. So in psychosynthesis, how do they explain the will? Because in our pre-interview conversation, I talked about in 12 step self-will, God's will, you know, that's very common to talk about in 12-step recovery. What, what does the will mean in psychosynthesis? Yeah, the will, I think I, I'm, I'm pretty safe to say that psychosynthesis was probably the first kind of um, psychology that really introduced the work with the will in such a profound way. And there are even books like completely dedicated to the development of the will in psychosynthesis. Um, and Anthroposophy is another one <laughs> that works with the will a lot. And so the will, you know, what we do in psychosynthesis is we're looking at, first of all, different aspects of the will. So we have the strong will, which is what we tend to think of as the will, right? Our, you know, the will to get it done, right? We also have the good will. We have the skillful will, you know? So the good will is, is it aligned with, with contributing goodness to the world? Is it, is it aligned with what feels right and, and holy for me? Also, the skillful will, you know, how can I creatively use my will to get this done? And then there's the transpersonal will, which might be something aligned with the God will that you were speaking of, but this, the energy of, you know, who am I as a soul and what my highest self really deeply wants as the soul, you know, so that who I am in my highest sense of self gets to be lived through my personal self and my personality, who I am becomes because who I am as the soul becomes how I live into the world. And that's where we are utilizing the will to be self, the will to be self. And I think this really brings us into the heart of authenticity. You know, yes, so authenticity, yeah, exactly. and so authenticity is really aligning who we are with the choices that we make and how we live ourselves and are consciously living our personality into the world. The thing that we're up against is that we don't always know who we are because of our our, our traumatic events, our subpersonalities, right? Our conditions, the conditions of society, like what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, the American dream, like all the things that are laid upon us, the layers and layers and layers of conditioning can give us a false sense of self sometimes. Some of the work that we do in psychosynthesis is around a piece of work called the ideal model, where we look at these false selves, which we may not even be aware of, ways that we undervalue ourselves or ways that we, you know, have a secret daydream model of who we think we're supposed to be, but we could never live into so we always feel like we're failing or expectations we're trying to meet in other people's vision of us and things like that so we move through these false models to identify the ways where we're not fully authentically us and we discover a lot in that process things that we weren't even aware of or we we think we're being you know our intention is to be authentic right but somehow we're, we're not totally aligned and then we move through a process where we create the ideal model 
of who we are and the realistic model of who we're stepping into. And that embodies the authenticity of who we are as the self and how we want to live. You know, and we can use the ideal model, the ideal model as a mother, the ideal model as a just in our lives, the ideal, ideal model situation. Is it a good thing, Valerie, or is it something else that we're using? Oh, I'm not there yet. No, the ideal model is a realistic vision of who we are stepping into and becoming in the world. It's a great thing. It's a way of activating the imagination hand in hand with our will, right? Because we want to envision and then we live into that vision. The, everything begins with the imagination powerful, powerful psychological function. So when we can envision who we are and what we want to become, after we recognize our false models, it's important to go through that those steps first. But then we can create now from a fresh space, we create who we are. And this is the ultimate movement towards authenticity. It's excellent. And actually, I have a free gift for everybody. If they go to psychospiritualinstitute.com and opt in and you will get the ideal model exercise which is an, an amazing exercise. And you can, it's an audio exercise. You can, you'll get it for free. And you can actually do the exercise that I'm talking about that will move you through these false models and into creating a beautiful ideal model, which is like moving you into like the depths and richness of your own authenticity. And it's an artistic meditation, which is also really cool because through art process, we, we are allowed to, we tap deeper into the subconscious. So I want to invite everybody to grab that at psychospiritualinstitute.com. Psychospiritualinstitute.com. It will be in the show notes. I'm excited. How many minutes is that guided audio? It's about 30 minutes, but, but it's about 30 minutes guided. But as you do the work, it might take you a little bit of time in between. So I would say, you know, give yourself about an hour to really dive in and, and, and you know, take your time with it. And then you'll have the ideal model for your life, your vision, what you want to live into. That's beautiful. I know we've been going a long time. I want to ask you one more question. I know you're very busy today. So let's talk about choice. I know choice is part of the psychosynthesis language. What does the freedom of choice mean to you? And how does this work give us more choice? Well, it's the choice is really about the will, you know, what we're choosing is our will in action. <clears throat> and, you know, in psychosynthesis, we talk about the movement of, of, you know, first, the first stage is like not even recognizing that we have a will, right? So we don't even know we have one and then we have one. So I recognize that I have a will. I recognize that I can utilize my will. I recognize that I'm a willer, that a will and choice is part of who I am as a self. So when we talk about that personal self or that inner observer, that unstoried part of us, it's not just about self-awareness. You know, there's so much out there. It's wonderful, wonderful tools and techniques that become, that help us become more self-aware, but without the will, we can't really take action or sustain action and make choices that are aligned with what we come to know of our authentic self. So the self and the will go hand in hand. Uh, self-awareness, excuse me, and the will go hand in hand. So free ch freedom of choice, freedom of will is about becoming so deeply self-aware and understanding where you are in your relationship to your will that you're able to make choices that align with that self and not with those wounded parts of you. Because when we're overly identified with these parts of us and we're choosing from those parts of us, because that's what happens, we don't have free will. There's no freedom of choice if we're choosing from our 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 subpersonalities or these parts of us that have been hurt wow. we're not actually making choices that are aligned with the, the deepest heart of us you know and so free choice and free will comes from becoming more self-aware and choosing in alignment with self 
which is easier said than done, but that's the work, you know? I know that's a big part of recovery too, is not identifying with your addiction or your obsession, but I have choices, you know, I can, I can act from my higher self. I don't have to act from my addiction. So choice is, it's just, it's so empowering. It's so important, but you know, it's interesting because people sometimes spend, I know even myself, I spent 10 years on a therapist's couch and was still doing the same behaviors over and over and over again because I think I was just rehashing my childhood trauma. So um, let's just end with this question. How, how can someone break out of it? If somebody can't make the choices that are empowering and they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and that's the definition of insanity, right? Repeating the same behavior over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. How can someone break out of that cycle? Well, it's really the work that we've been talking about, Rebecca, you know, and it's it's not something that happens overnight, you guys. It's This is a lifetime of work. But as we begin to move into, you know, the skills, you know, some of these tools that I've talked about today and, and much, much more that can support us to recognize the parts of us that are speaking, thinking, and acting out of alignment with self. When we can do that work, that's how we begin to create the integration where we're not moving through the survival strategy anymore, but we're going just for the need. So once I can have this dialogue and create this relationship with this part of me, and we have many of them, but if I'm working with a particular part and I can understand why that part is doing what it's doing and what, where that comes from and really you know, get clear about that, then I can begin to welcome that part home in a sense. And, and now I understand the need is really safety, right? In your example, let's say the need is really right. safety. And so when I when it comes down to now, okay, I'm doing this strategy that's gonna hurt me or someone else, I go, wait a minute, what I really need right now is safety. It's my dog sneezing in the background. <laughs> what I really need is, is safety. So how can I move toward safety and not have to go through the survival strategy. And so this, this is the, this is becomes a process. And so, you know, when we learn how to do this, then we can self coach, but if we're not in a space that we can necessarily do this on our own, then it's great to have an ally. It's great to have a guide, a coach, um, and work with somebody who can support you to learn how to do that for yourself ultimately. So 10 years on a couch, you know, I would hope that before then you would have learned how to do some of this work for you. So when those things come up, you can say, wait, this is that part of me. Now I know how to do ABC and like, you know, work with these different parts. So it's not a super easy answer, but it's a process and it, and it just, it takes some time to move through that, but it's all possible. All of it. And I'm not knocking therapy. I got a lot out of those 10 years on the couch and I did make a lot of shifts and transformation, but I also believe in, you know, changing it up, changing your paradigm. There's so many different ways to work on yourself. And what I love about psychosynthesis is it incorporates, you know, the spirituality and the metaphysics of transformation, but it's very grounded in the psychology of like subpersonalities and childhood trauma. It's really a beautiful, beautiful way to transform. So how do people keep in touch with you? Where do people find you on the internet? We already talked about the awesome, you know, audio that you're going to gift our listeners on how to find, what is it called? Their ideal what? Model? The ideal model exercise. Yeah. Ideal model. 
So where can people find you on the internet? Thank you so much, Rebecca. Yep, you guys can find me at psychospiritualinstitute.com. You know, and again, you opt in, you'll get the free ideal model exercise, and then you'll get a couple, you know, a couple other emails from me. And I would love to hear, you know, you'll get my invitation, but I'd love to hear how that went for you when you do the exercise. Um, Also, you know, we have... At Psycho Spiritual Institute, we run fully accredited and board certified coach training and leadership programs where you not only do this work for you, it's a personal development and personal growth program, you also learn how to be a guide and a coach for others. So it's a really comprehensive, deeply inclusive program. We're going to dive into the personal self, the ecological self even, we bring in the ecological self, we bring in holistic business skills. So it's a comprehensive, really radically beautiful program that attracts, you know, people starting off on their healing journey and psychotherapists and everything in between and so we always attract beautiful deep people create an amazing family and together you know we're working towards really deep transformation in ourselves and in our world so i invite everybody to check that out because our next program starts september 13th well thank you so much i learned so much from you every time i talk you are truly a deep and intellectual person and i mean that as the highest praise and compliment. So thank you for being such a great leader in transformation. You know, post COVID, we're going to have to get together in Florida or LA and have a coffee and catch up face to face. I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so much for being on the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show. If you're watching on Instagram or Facebook, tag a friend that could benefit. If you're listening to the podcast, we're a grassroots movement. We don't have paid advertisements, so we count on our beautiful, wonderful listeners to promote the show. Please leave us a five-star review. Take a screenshot. Tag me and Val on Instagram. We'll reshare it in our stories. Thank you so much for listening to the Balanced Beautiful Abundant Show, and we will be back next time with another incredible expert. Thank you, Val, and everyone. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? Please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant. It's cold and